In 2004, the President of the United States and Congress dedicated this month of October for the public and private sectors to work together to raise awareness about the importance of cybersecurity. According to the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, this initiative has grown into a collaborative effort between government industry to enhance cybersecurity awareness, encourage actions by the public to reduce online risk, and generate discussion on cyber threats on a national and global scale. This episode will focus on something different from our regular discussion of missing people and true crime cases. But because October is National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, and victims from North and South Carolina are not immune to cybercrimes, I thought it would be a good time to talk to a few experts about how to protect ourselves from the various scams that have been pervasive in our society, including romance scams. They are getting more and more sophisticated by the day. I should know, I was the victim of a costly scam recently. But if this topic is not something that interests you, I completely understand. There are many other episodes in our catalog that you can check out, and I will not be offended. There is much to love about North and South Carolina, but the two states have also had their fair share of violent and senseless crimes over the years. From murders on the Blue Ridge Parkway, in the heart of big cities or sleepy college towns, and along the coastal waters, some of these stories may be new to you. Some may have happened in your town. Some may involve people that are still missing to this day. But all will leave you remembering to always be vigilant about the people you meet and the places you go. I'm Renee Robertson. Please join me for Missing in the Carolinas. Episode 69, How to Avoid Being a Victim of a Cybercrime. First today, I want to talk about Zelle scams, as I was the victim of one recently. The payment app Zelle is popular with people because it connects your bank accounts or debit cards directly to the payment service. Unfortunately, that also means it's almost impossible to cancel a digital payment once you've sent it. The Zelle competitor Venmo asks that you confirm a contact's last four digits of their phone number before you send funds as an added layer of security. Zelle does not have this. Because my bank uses the Zelle app directly in my banking app, I thought it would be secure. Here's what happened to me. Someone gained access to both my debit card and a credit card. They ran a small charge on my debit card that they knew would look suspicious and flag my bank. I received a text from my bank asking if I had made the charge. This was a legitimate text. I get them frequently from my bank. Before I could finish reading the text, I received a call from my bank, or what I thought was my bank, because the scammers spoofed the number of my bank's fraud department. A man identified himself as being from my bank and said they had noticed someone had scheduled a payment from Zelle and wanted to confirm it with me. He named a dollar amount. I said, most definitely no. He also said the payment was going to another state and they noticed most of my purchases originate from, and then he named the town I live in. He said, no problem. I'm going to walk you through how we can reverse the charge. If I had not already been nervous about suspicious activity on my debit card, I would have realized you can't schedule a Zelle payment. It goes through immediately after you pay it. There is no scheduling option that I'm aware of. The man then had me open my banking app while I was on the phone with him, go to Zelle, create a new contact named after me, 
and type in a confirmation number that would serve as my claim number. Well, as you can guess, that claim number was a phone number. The man was a smooth talker. He talked fast, and I had a hard time keeping up with what he was asking me to do. While I was on the phone with him, I supposedly reversed two different charges they could see on their end. He then asked me to close out my app and not open it again for 24 hours. They would send me an email on how to reset my username and password. This is when the hair stood up on the back of my neck and I realized I'd been scammed. I also got a text from Zell right after I hung up with this person telling me, congratulations, you've sent X amount of dollars to Renee. The money was immediately siphoned from my bank account. I called the bank with a number through my banking app, but it was too late. The money was gone and all the bank could do was make a claim. But because I scheduled the payment myself, the bank does not take responsibility for giving you that money back. They can try to work with Zelle to recover it, but in most cases, the money is already gone, retrieved by the scammers, or moved to another location. If you try and work with Zelle directly, they are not obligated to help you. Once I realized the severity of what had happened, I filed a police report with my local department. They were kind, but they also told me the bank would probably not repay me the money I had lost. I won't get into the exact dollar amount here, but it was no small amount. Of course, I felt stupid and sick once I realized what had happened, but after doing some research, I found out this is one of the most common Zelle scams out there. In my case, it was a multi-layered scam because my debit and credit cards were also compromised. Someone also treated themselves to a Spirit Airlines flight with my credit card and we were able to get that refunded because Visa is insured. Zelle is not. Not long after, I came across yet another scam online when a Facebook friend from high school posted that he had some puppies he needed to rehome. It so happened I was in the market for a puppy. But when I reached out to him via Facebook Messenger, you could tell he had no idea who I was. I told him up front I had been scammed online before and did not want to send money. The friend ignored that comment and said I needed to make a deposit to secure a puppy. I went back and forth for a few minutes, recognizing the same sense of urgency I'd felt with the Zell scam. The friend wouldn't tell me where to pick up the puppy and even said once I sent the deposit, he would process the AKC paperwork, sending me a screenshot of a blank form. When he kept trying to show me how to send money through Facebook pay, I told him to forget it. Then he turned mean mentioning karma and how I was doing harm to his family. When I went back over to his Facebook post about the puppies, I noticed the comments had been locked. I knew then that someone had taken over this person's Facebook account and was attempting to swindle as many people as possible. I blocked the account, but if I hadn't just been through the Zell scam a few weeks earlier, I might have been susceptible. This is just my personal experience, but I know I'm not alone. There are many other scams out there, and today we're going to talk to a few cybersecurity experts for tips on how to better protect ourselves. First, I want to talk about romance scams. One emerging way that online scammers are finding victims is through dating apps. The anonymity of being behind a screen allows scammers to freely create fake profiles and pretend to be whomever they please. Using these profiles, they reach out to people feigning interest in a relationship, trying to earn their trust. The Federal Trade Commission reported $1.3 billion in losses nationwide to these romance scams from 2017 to 2022. The FBI reported that North Carolina citizens lost $18 million in 2022, 
ranking the state nine out of the 50 states for online roman scams. According to the online service Social Catfish, there were 422 victims in total, meaning that on average, each North Carolina victim lost $42,752. In one case, a victim, Rebecca DeAntonio, lost over $100,000, causing her to go bankrupt. She told news channel CBS 17, they know what to say to disarm you. These scams don't just cause financial strain, but emotional damage as well. DeAntonio was suffering from depression, anxiety, and PTSD. She only cut ties with the scammer after he encouraged her to go through with her suicidal behavior. She said, he says to me, and I'll never forget that cold indifference, well, you have to do what you have to do. Suicide by the victim would have led to permanent silence for the scammer. Thanks to the help of a reformed romance scammer, who goes by the name Chris, CBS 17 was able to get a more inside scoop on how scammers can coerce money this way. The trick is to play with the emotions of the victims and figure out what responses are most effective. They know exactly what to say. It's like a formal step-by-step -step instruction. I have it on my phone, said Chris. This instruction manual was 23 pages long. It detailed different scenarios people like Chris would come across and how to become appealing using those scenarios. The emotional trauma was experienced not only by Chris's victims, but by himself as well. His breaking point came after he stole $20,000 from a woman in her late 50s. I made her life so miserable that I just couldn't, you know, I quit, he said. How can people stay safe from this crime? The South Carolina Federal Credit Union has created a list of do's and don'ts for those trying to find love online. It is easy to create fake profiles using pictures online of someone other than yourself. One of the most important steps when meeting someone online is verifying their identity. This can mean meeting them in real life or the use of video calls. It is also smart to run a background check as fake profiles will have a lack of information. This should be done before giving out any sort of personal information. Even after you verify a person's identity, the amount of personal information you share should be limited and bank account information is never safe to share. In order to succeed with online dating, users must be vigilant and take extra precautions to ensure the identity of the person they are talking to. Our first guest today is Andrew Hendel, founder of a company called Marshmallow that combines bank-grade financial technology with the world of online dating. Andrew Hendel is the CEO and founder of Marshmallow. Before founding Marshmallow, Andrew was a managing director at Beachpoint Capital, a highly reputable hedge fund managing $14 billion in assets. With an in-depth understanding of financial services, his knowledge extends to the crucial role of compliance with anti-money laundering regulations, where banks and financial institutions are required to thoroughly understand their customers to ensure legal and ethical practices. This involves comprehensive verification of customer details, including name, date of birth, address, and social security number. Andrew recognizes the significance of leveraging technology to streamline and automate this process, making it more reliable and cost-effective. Motivated by his expertise and passion for innovation, Andrew founded Marshmallow, a cutting-edge company that combines bank-grade financial technology with the world of online dating. Rather than solely focusing on fraud prevention and regulatory compliance, Marshmallow applies financial technology to enhance safety and security for online daters. 
As the visionary behind Marshmallow, Andrew is dedicated to revolutionizing the online dating landscape. By utilizing his comprehensive knowledge of financial services and advanced technological solutions, he aims to create a secure and trustworthy environment for individuals seeking connections in the digital age. Andrew holds a BS and MS in Management Science and Engineering from Stanford University School of Engineering and was selected to Pi Beta Kappa and Tau Beta Pi for academic excellence. Thank you for being with us today, Andrew. My pleasure. So what are the, some of the most common online dating scams out there that people need to be aware of? So there, there's a number of different scams. You know, people, there's the famous Nigerian prince scam, which you may be surprised, still makes hundreds of thousands of dollars annually for scammers. You can meet people online. They may want to get gas money to meet you in person. Sometimes people online may elicit or ask for inappropriate photos from somebody. And you should never send those kinds of photos because people may then in turn try to blackmail you, threaten to post those pictures, embarrass you in exchange for money. According to the FBI, uh, romance scams uh, you know, involving dating apps, they topped over $1 billion in 2021. And those are understated. Most people are embarrassed about being scammed. They don't always report it. And it's also growing very rapidly. That makes sense. I I read something recently where a woman was catfished by someone that she thought was an actor from Stranger Things. And I believe she sent him a lot of money. And, and this scam went on for like two or three years. So it was really sad to hear about that. But that's still out there. How can users avoid these scams? Well, the best thing that people can do is to get on. A, if you're going to be meeting people new online through you know, some kind of dating app, the best thing to do is to use one that prioritizes safety. And what is different about uh, Marshmallow is that we have everybody's government ID checked when they first join. They make sure it matches a live selfie. And they make sure it matches a profile picture. You mentioned somebody, you know, thought they were talking to somebody much more attractive than they actually were. What didn't look like that person at all was scammed out of money. On Marshmallow, you literally can't post a picture of somebody that isn't yourself. I tried uploading a picture of George Clooney. I think there's a strong resemblance. The app rejected that photo. I, I'm not allowed to do that. The picture has to be of me. So everybody who's on the app, they, you know, are, they look like what they say they look like, and they are, you know, who they say they are. They're as old as they say they are. You can't lie about your age. Um, because we are checking IDs, it deters a lot of bad activity. People who are doing something wrong, they're scamming somebody out of money, they tend not to like to give out their ID. You'd be surprised. Like, they don't want to do it. Uh, that's a ticket to getting caught. Um, so that's, you know, how Marshmallow keeps people safe. It's safe for people by design. On other dating apps, people have to be a little bit more cautious. You would want to take your time talking to the person and make sure that all of their details of their story line up. Sometimes people who are trying to scam you will do things or say things that are 
inconsistent and that can be a tell that something is is wrong it can be you know weird the time of day that they're messaging you they might be really far away and if they're messaging you in the middle of the night that might be a tell that something is wrong they may have a lot of grammatical errors in their messages and that again it would be a sign that they may not be who they say they are and may be trying to take advantage of you in, in some sort of way right so what are some ways that users can find out if a dating site has these advanced verification methods like Marshmallow does? Well, you know, we tell people about it. It's a selling point for our app. It's on our landing page. You can see we have a, a big section of safety tips and then also safety features that we have. And those aren't the, you know, the only safety features that we have. We also exclude over 700,000 registered sex offenders. So you don't have to worry about meeting anybody like that on Marshmallow. We also limit initial messages to just, just one. And the idea behind that is maybe you match with somebody, you have second thoughts, maybe you don't really you know, want to interact with them. That other person can send you another dating app message after message after message. And a marshmallow, if it's only just one, they can't uh, harass you potentially. Uh, with, and you can always unmatch people, but a marshmallow, we are a step ahead and we're preventing you know, a bad thing from happening even in, in the first place. I'm curious how you came up with the idea for this platform coming from your background. How did you go from banking to online dating site? You know, uh, in, in finance, a big, you know, part of the the job and part of the, the, the everything is knowing your customer, and that's something that the government requires of any kind of financial institution to move money. The government wants to prevent money laundering, and under the you know U.S. Patriot Act, they require a whole bunch of different information. You've got to get the person's name, their date of birth, their social security number. We don't collect social security numbers. We don't need that. We just want to make sure you you know look like how you look, you are as old as as your government documents you know, say you are. Um, but that's a big part of, of you know, anti-fraud for, for banks. And I thought, well, geez, there's all this new technology that's out there. Artificial intelligence has made it much more affordable to scan and read people's IDs. And you can do it on a mobile phone. People can self-do it. You don't need to be there in person. You don't need to have a lot of human labor involved in, in checking the ID. And I thought, well, maybe there's an application here of taking that banking technology and applying it to online dating, making sure that people are what they say they are. There's not you know, fake accounts, there's not scammers, sex offenders, or other bad behavior. That's I also really see, I, I also, you know, I'm, I'm an older brother, I've got a young, much younger sister, and I see the kinds of experiences that she has she's very cautious when she goes out to meet people she'll make sure that all of her friends know where she's going when she's supposed to be back there's a lot of precautions that people have to take there's some degree of, of risk that a lot of young people are taking or and, and older people as well when they're meeting a stranger off of a dating app and I wanted to do something applying this banking technology in a way to help women like my sister and, and anybody really to have a, a safer and uh, more enjoyable dating experience. What has the response been like so far to Marshmallow? You know, the response has the response been very positive. Users really like 
that the people that they are interacting with online are who they say they are. They don't have to worry that they're going to meet somebody who's 10 years older than they've said they were on the dating app. They don't have to worry about meeting somebody who looks like a completely different person. That's not going to happen because we have these precautions in place. Is there anything else you would like uh, our listeners to know? You know, th those are the basics of, of Marshmallow. It's, you know, a fun app. I've talked all about security and safety. You know, you're meeting new people and it's going to be, it's going to be fun. We're just taking the negative, bad potential experiences off the table. Okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that with us. Thank you. Next, we're talking to Patrick Haar. Before he started Slash Next, Haar was CEO of Panzura, which he transformed into a SaaS company and led to a successful acquisition in 2020. He has held senior executive and GM positions at Hewlett Packard Enterprise, VMware, Bluecoat, and was CEO of multiple security and storage startups, including Nervanix, acquired by Oracle, Prevensys, acquired by McAfee, and Sonera, acquired by McData. Thank you for joining us today, Patrick. It's nice to have you here. Yeah, great to be here. So I guess we could start off with uh, a discussion of what some of the most common phishing scams are out there right now, what people should be aware of. Yeah, phishing scams run, they come in many different forms. Um, very popular ones could be invoice fraud. Invoice fraud. Someone may have received the quote gift, uh, the Geek Squad from Best Buy. You uh, owe this particular invoice. Many of those type of different different scams out there. Um, you have romance scams. I think we, you and I, spoke a little bit about this and trying to get you to, you know, play off the lonely. This uh, happens a lot of times in single people, but also, you know, honestly, in the elderly. Um, you see crypto scams. Everyone was that was the greatest thing since sliced bread with uh, NFTs and all these bitcoins. Um, so, bottom line, anywhere that that people can play off emotion and fear and urgency, that's really where you're seeing these scams. Again, they come in many different forms, from gift cards to invoice to honestly anywhere I can get you to send me money. Is that where you're? That's where you're going to get scammed. Social media too. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to see Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat type scams, or is that something else people should be aware of? 100%. And I can honestly, as we like to say, anywhere you can get message, you can get compromised. And so think about all the different messaging gaps out there, text message, right? Uh, you need to change your DMV information immediately and click here, right? Um, that gift basket or that gift package was left on your doorstep, click here, right? So that's typical, like what's done in text message. Uh, then you go over to Facebook, right? What is the, I think we and I were talking a little bit about puppies, right? You need to buy this puppy and it's all these, look at these cute things. Um, and it can, that's obviously it happens in Instagram and Facebook, uh, Snapchat, any of these social media apps, anywhere, again, you can get messaging and compromise, even in your personal Gmail, your Yahoo accounts. Um, they're always lurking out there. I mean, it's hard not to be paranoid all the time, but at this point, I think it's best to be paranoid first and then throw caution to the wind later, personally. But how can we protect ourselves from these type of attacks when they're around us all the time everywhere? Yeah, I think we all got this from our parents long ago. Uh, if it's too good to be true, it is, right? So always keep that in mind. Uh, um, 
And it, even then it's getting much harder to discern what's real and what's not. Second, you know, always uh, think I personally, as an example, when you're doing a wire front, uh, like a bank transfer, go to the bank, do something physical, right? Um, third, and this is going to be more important as we go forward. Uh, it is very, very important You uh, for those that have kids, right? You're going to have to create safe words. And I only put this out there for a moment because everyone may have seen on 60 Minutes, uh, was this is a, basically they had highlighted taking using generative AI. Um, they had basically emulated the granddaughter's voice that called the grandparent, right? I need money immediately, right? So you're going to see more of those type of scams. So developing that safe word is also important for, for kind of the folks out there. Um, net net, again, if it's too good to be true, it is. Be vigilant, right? Uh, do your investigation. Uh, do your uh, your own diligence, particularly if you ever, ever transfer money or send out money. Um, use the services that almost proxy that. So PayPal is still great, right? Because if you do have some loss, right, they can cover that. Um, but it's it's not once, not just one thing you need to be uh, cautious of. I think you need to, again, keep your eyes, ears and open, uh, be vigilant and really be focused on preventing these things. Now, a lot of people are talking about AI. It's in the news everywhere. I, I have people ask me about it every day. Can you tell us what some of the positive and negative aspects of artificial intelligence are? Yeah, right. right. So I've had the pleasure of being around the block for a few years now and seeing going from the dot-com uh, you know, evolution to uh, this, this cloud revolution, right? Everyone's probably aware of AWS and Microsoft and all the folks out there in this quote cloud, right? Everything happens in the cloud. Um, we're now in the kind of the almost not just evolution, but revolution of AI. And, and simply, I, I, I'm of the belief that AI will have tremendous impact on the world. I think McKinsey's talked about 4.4 trillion in new profits generated over the next 10 years using AI. So it's going to impact every, every aspect of our life. I think you're going to see incredible new drugs generated. I actually believe this will solve the world's energy problem because we're going to break through with fusion. Um, you're going to see just tremendous scientific breakthroughs. You're going to see augmentation of persons, right? Uh, I have really bad eyesight. Uh, I think you're going to see more. I remember, again, I'm going to date myself the $6 million man, but the bionics in your eyes. So net net's going to impact every aspect of the world. And so tremendous things. Now, with every great thing, there's also the bad side of this and the various side. And we've already seen these bad actors using these tools to basically target people. Um, and let me just give you an example. If you ever got that Nigerian scam, right? You inherited all this money and all you need to do is simply call, right? You get that in your email. Well, think about it before I, and by the way, send behind all these scams are all these big corporations and people don't necessarily think about that, but these are almost like ransomware as a service, scam as a service, phishing as a service, because there's big money in this. Um, so think about it before in that Nigerian case, I would have to hire an English speaker right? To write a, write an email. Sometimes they do it on their own, but it was really easy to, to hey, this is bullshit. So excuse my friends, but there's something right wrong with the dialect. And so it's easy. Now with ChatGPT, go write a, a perfect email, right? And send it uh, to that individual. So you're going to have almost perfect English, very hard to discern um, with voice and video. Now with ChatGPT4, I can create my own defects. And as you and I were speaking, how do I know we're actually talking to one another? Um, and that's the perfect example of that's that granddaughter calling the grandma. 
because they had a basically a voice synthesizer that ran that through. Very easy to kind of create that scam. So that had this dramatic impact on the cybersecurity side of this equation, meaning the bad guys are using this now. They're going to start, they're going to, going back to that point, anywhere you can get messaged, uh, whether it's a voice message, whether it's a video message, whether it's a Facebook, Instagram, they're going to continue to bombard using AI. And it's going to be much harder to discern if it's real or not. So tell us a little bit about your company and how Slash Next can help us with cybersecurity. Yeah. So as I like to say, we how do you you need to fight AI with AI? So we incorporate AI directly in, as I mentioned before, anywhere you can get messaging and compromise. So we use AI to basically sit inside those messages to help you discern: is this a is this a scam? Is this a fish? Is this a wire fraud? Something that they're trying to get you to impart to basically deliver money to some other location. Um, so Ned, Ned, we're a Gen AI messaging security company, whether in email, whether you're in Facebook, whether you're in Telegram, whether you're Teams, Zoom, WhatsApp, any number, there's 30,000 messaging apps out there. We use AI to detect and block these threats before they impact your life. And how do you do that? Uh, well, there's uh, there are a few different things we do. Number one, an email, we tie directly behind the scenes. Uh, so we prevent those emails from coming to you. Um, basically, we have AI sitting there reading those emails, contextualizing, hey, they're trying to get you to send money to this bank. Or don't do it, right? So we'll pull that out before it gets to you. Um, email, candidly, is an easy thing for us, uh, whether it could be those link-based. By the way, one of the latest threats is uh, what's called QR or crishing, uh, that QR code. And it will come into your email. I don't know if you've seen these. Uh, be careful. Don't don't take out your, your camera or your phone. It simply says, hey, you need to change your password. Just take out your phone and click here. Um, that's very dangerous right now, by the way. So those type of things, again, we're going to prevent those from coming to you in email. Uh, we tie directly through the API on the backside. Uh, pretty easy for businesses to take advantage of that. Uh, for the mobile app scams, or for the mobile phone, SMS, for WhatsApp, for anything you're accessing on the mobile side, Instagram, Telegram, Teams, Zoom, whatever, we have an app that sits here. Um, on this phone, we have a business version of the app. We also have a home version. And so in that home version, again, I'd like to say I, I, I actually help my mom. I don't want to be her IT staff. Uh, so we put that app on her phone. So she's a click happy person. She likes the, whatever it may be, the health thing, or it may be the vitamin, or it may be, hey, this banking information. She's constantly scared about that. So basically our AI sitting behind the scenes is looking at those nefarious clicks those malicious links, and it's going to detect and block that. It's also going to do that for your SMS. Um, call Chase Bank immediately because your account got compromised. Call Zelle immediately because your account got compromised, right? Uh, those are the type of things we prevent in text message. So it's pretty holistic in providing that bubble around for you when you're out there surfing the web or you're, again, answering those text messages. And then we do something similar on PCs and Macs. We, we have a browser extension that's basically helping you so if you're in the Google search term number four, by the way, there that there's a lot of embedded scams in those search terms. We have the ability to detect and block that. You can be in Instagram, you can be in Facebook Messenger, again, anywhere you can get messaged, you get compromised. So we have that pair of AI eyes sitting there helping you, augmenting, kind of, you know, preventing you from uh, taking part in that scam. Yeah, I don't know if your app could help with something like this, but 
I'm going to throw my husband under the bus for a second. He was frantically trying to buy a Christmas present last year, and he was looking for uh, an NBA jersey for our son. And he somehow, when he was doing the Google search, ended up on a site that was fake. It looked like it was the fan shop, but it was a duplicate. And the jersey we got came from China or somewhere, and it came really late. And it had the the little Jordan logo, like, <laughs> it wasn't sewn onto the jersey. Let's just yeah. put it that way. But because when he went back to that site, there was a page on there somewhere that said something like, it was a disclaimer. But yeah. of course, when he was trying to order something on his phone, he didn't see that. Would your app be able to tell someone, hey, this site is... Yeah, not, not, right? not, no, no, because this case, this is more physical and it's not necessarily. It's more like a fraud, but it's a, it's kind of in that gray zone. It's kind of yeah. in that gray zone, right? That there's, there's a bunch of, I hate saying it, Chinese pop-up sites out there that emulate all these different goods. I, I hate to even say this. I remember when I was little and going to date myself here for a moment, but they had, they used to advertise the record you could buy with all these artists on it because Back then, it wasn't easy to get music. And I think I sent in my $8 and I come back and it was all these fake artists that were singing these songs. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I was so bummed. I was like, God dang it, I can't believe I got this. I was waiting for it. Um, that's nothing. This is very similar, right? It's basically, it's a different artist or it's a different t-shirt and with a bad logo. I, you right. can't present those, but I will say, honestly, if you're on Facebook or if you're on Instagram, there's a ton of those things. I haven't bought one of these things for Halloween, I think a couple of years ago. And honestly, it was the biggest, uh, you know what, pile of, I, it, again, it's a little bit too good to be true, cheap or whatever, maybe. Was it an ad that you clicked on? Oh yeah, it was yeah. an ad right there on, on Facebook. And it was a real site with real, real material. It wasn't fake uh, per se. It was just cheap quality, really, <laughs> really bad representation of what that good is. Um, those are really hard to quote prevent. I, honestly, I think that's where Facebook and Instagram, et cetera, need to do a much better job. And I know they do have teams to really verify the buyers that they put up on the, on those sites. Cause that's typically, honestly, where I see the most number of those type of scams. Um, also, uh, doesn't Facebook marketplace, isn't that just a haven for scammers too? It seems like hundred percent, right. Uh, you do need to develop, but going back to what can you do? Be vigilant. I don't if it's too good to be true or if it's too cheap, right? Go go do your research. You can go look at in number of sites. Going back to I may hate throwing your husband on the bus for a moment, but right, go to StockX, go to go to these different sites where you're gonna see real authentic stuff because it's been verified. And then you know you're buying something that's uh of worth of, of quality. Well, I think, I think in his case, it was the um and he had bought stuff from that the real shop before, but I think this fake this reproductive site was up at the it was the sponsored ad yeah. spot and so he was like oh well that's got to be it but they had just bought that spot in the search engine yeah right? so there is a, another side of our business and there's other businesses out there it's basically brand reputation protection and it was what you're describing is what's called type squatting where they offset the url a little bit um and then they put up a fake site and so you can, as, a, as an example, some of the companies out there will basically partake in some of these reputation services or brand reputation services. 
to do a takedown of those different type of, uh, you know, different fake sites out there. The problem with it, it's a whack-a-mole problem, right? For everyone you take down, the new one springs up. And honestly, going back to Gen AI, you're going to see more of these things. That's why I go back to, I don't know how much he paid for this thing. Maybe it was the exact same cost or was it a quote, a great deal? No, it uh, wasn't. It was the ex about the exact same cost of what he no, would have well, paid. That's, that's hard. We're not going to be able to throw your husband under the bus, unfortunately. No, uh, I think in, hey, in we can't. Cases, not after the things that I've been through. So anyway. Yeah, in, in those cases, I think those are just learning examples. Yeah, he didn't even, he was like, I can't even try to get my money back because it's actually, there is a disclaimer page on here that says products may be different than what they appear or, you know, something like that. So they covered themselves in the site in really teeny tiny little print. And if you're yeah. looking at it on your phone and you're in a hurry and you're trying to buy a last minute gift, whoops. Yeah, and I, I, th I think this goes back to the scammer's playbook, right? Fear, emotion, urgency, right? And anytime you see or get a hint of that, be very, yeah, that, that is going to give you the, the spidey sense to go off. Something is wrong here. Um, and so even, and the other thing, again, when I, I did a discussion on Gen AI, I think I may have mentioned, um, the FBI, uh, talked after me, right. And they talked about the number one pain point out there. Number one cybersecurity scam right now continues to be business email compromise, followed by smishing. Uh, you can't see my phone, uh, but it's that text scam, right. Trying to get you to do something. But what he talked about is this notion of distraction. Uh, and this importance of making sure use two senses to verify things, meaning, can you see it? Can you smell it? Can you taste it? Right. You got to, if you, the reason why I was highlighting this, because if you use two, if you always use two senses, then you're paying attention, right. Going back to this world of distraction. Um, Cause anytime you're distracted, that's the other playbook. they try to distract you from something and right, going back to fear and emotion and that sense of urgency, if that happens, you're going to get scammed. That's true. Well, this has been very enlightening. Um, is there anything else you think our listeners should know about cybersecurity awareness? You know, I, again, going back to that, the reason why I got in this business, my grandfather got scammed, I think about $150,000 taken out on his name and it, identity theft, right? Identity theft's a big problem. And I just go back to those simple old adages. If it's too good to be true, it is. Be vigilant, right? If you can go physically to, I, I, I'm actually of the belief during COVID, we all went digital. I actually think one of the good things that's going to happen now is we need to get back in person, get, become more physical, uh, more the analog world, not just digital. Um, so if you can, right, go go to the bank, send that, send that wire. Um, go in person to actually buy something and exchange something. I'm not saying this to create fear, but recognize for everything that you're trying to do good, there's someone behind the scenes trying to do the bad thing. And now with Gen AI, it's a many, I'd like to say anyone on the planet can be a threat actor now. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything. So you're going to see more of these type of things. So be very vigilant, do those things in person, create the safe words for your family. And I don't say that facetiously. There is very there are real, real reasons to do that. Um, and then at the end of the day, you still have to have fun, right? I, I we can't be can't live in a world of fear. And I think fortunately, there's companies like ourselves that are also, as I, I'd like to say, turn humans into superhumans with the power of AI. So we're going to help you by bringing a, a set a different pair of eyes, different pair of ears. 
that helps you avoid these type of scams. So that's that's the very positive thing that's out there. Uh, I have one other personal question. I a couple of days ago got a text message and it was just somebody saying, "Is this Renee?" And I didn't respond to it. And the next day <clears throat> they texted back again, just checking to see if this is Renee. And I blocked the number, but was that somebody trying to get information yes. from me, you think? Yeah. So in text messages, uh, what's called a conversation starter. And technically behind the scenes with, with Android and, and Apple, um, once you respond, you now create trust, right? So you're in the trust circle. If you remember Meet the Fockers, you're in the circle of trust. Uh, and this whole goal is to create the conversation, create some trust. And then once I have that, I move inside your circle, right? So I now start engaging. And that's do not, do not, do not ever. If uh, if your phone number is a, if you don't recognize that phone phone number, avoid it. Uh, same thing in text message. You don't recognize it. Um, last thing you should ever do is respond to, "Hey, is this Renee?" or "Hey, hey, is this Patrick?" or "Hey, whatever it may be." Don't ever respond to those things because you will create a trust with that uh, particular individual. Yeah, I just kept thinking to myself, if this was somebody that I usually if it's somebody that's trying to get in touch with me, they'll tell me who they are in the message. And then I'll know to respond to them if it's someone that I, oh, yeah, I know that's somebody's parent or whatever. But this was just two, two messages in a row, day after day. And I finally blocked it because I was like, here we go again. <laughs> yeah, well, again, you go back to that point, anywhere you can get messaging and compromised, uh, even for the professionals out there, use LinkedIn. There's so many fake profiles, believe it or not, that they put up and going back to a little bit of going back to the romance scams. You constantly see these very beautiful people coming from China and they graduated from Harvard and Princeton. And, and you're like, something is a little fishy or off on these things. Sure enough, I, I can tell you there's in number of those type of profiles out there. Again, that whole goal, they're trying to incite that emotion, that fear, that some sense of urgency or and or romance, right? And it's just truly amazing what we see in our labs across the board of all these different ways to try to compromise you as an individual. Oh, I believe it. I believe it 100%. Well, hopefully this was helpful for everyone. It was definitely helpful for me. And I appreciate you taking the time to let us know what you guys are doing and give us some tips. Um, and thank you for joining us today. This brings us to the conclusion of this episode of Missing in the Carolinas. I'd like to give a special thanks to Aaron Settlemeyer, who assisted with the script on this episode. Thanks so much, Aaron. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me a favor and give it a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd also like to support the show in a small way, you can buy me a coffee over at buymeacoffee.com, Renee Robertson. Thanks so much to everyone who's already supported us through this platform. We're also now on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, so please like our pages and get started on a discussion of the missing people profiled on the show. Do you know of a missing persons case in North or South Carolina that you think should be covered? Email me at missinginthecarolinas at gmail.com with any details you can share. Cover art for this podcast was designed by Macintosh Multimedia. Sound editing is provided by Daniel Robertson. Thanks so much for listening. 